This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. On today's episode, we have a guest who has a passion for helping others, Dahlia Ahmed. Dahlia is the manager of corporate employee engagement at Feeding America, a large organization working to end hunger in the U.S. She has gone from the for-profit to the nonprofit sector already early in her career, learning about the challenges of each and experiencing the pull towards mission-focused work. She'll share with us more about that journey, about how her volunteer efforts have impacted her early career, how her faith has played a role in all this, and more. So, let's hear from Dahlia. So, Dahlia, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the role that you're in and the organization you work for? Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Dahlia Ahmed. I am the Corporate Employee Engagement Manager at Feeding America. And what that really means is we work with organizations to help build out and foster their employee engagement programs through fundraising, through volunteerism, advocacy opportunities, um, with the intention of both supporting the people that we serve, people who are facing food insecurity, and their own philanthropic and culture building goals. Um, and I know that, you know, having gotten to that role, um, you went from like looking looking at your career, early career history that has led you to being in that role, that you've gone from the for-profit sector to mm-hmm. working for a school to now working for a nonprofit. So quite the journey already early in your <laughs> career. Can you tell listeners a bit about what that journey has been like? Yes, it has been tricky <laughs> and also very intentional. So when I was in college, I didn't really I didn't really know what I wanted to do, like I'm sure most college students are uh, when you're kind of thinking about what your career goals are. Um, I was sort of the kind of person growing up where I kind of did a little bit of everything and it was really difficult for me to narrow down something that I felt would be sort of meaningful or something that I could do for, you know, I guess the rest of my life. <laughs> um, and so when when you're in college and you're kind of thinking about those things, I, I was pretty confident in understanding of what I didn't want to do and sort of narrowed down from there. So when I graduated with a bachelor's in marketing uh, with a focus in promotions and communications, because it kind of seemed like something that uh, would appeal to that nature of being able to try new things, kind of being able to go into different departments. Um, It it was a bit of a well-rounded major for me. And then luckily, I was also at the time while I was in college, um, working for a mobile marketing company. And so that kind of helped solidify like, what direction I wanted to head in some of the things that I felt I was good at, right, just from like a tactical perspective. and the level of diversity of, of what a day-to-day career could look like um, within this within this role. So um, after I graduated, I just stayed with that same mobile marketing company. Um, and that journey in and of itself was also a little all over the place, <laughs> right? So I, I started out doing um, event moderation 
And then like customer care, so just like customer service type work. Um, I was an intern on the account management team and also worked with like the product team and the sales team. Um, and then when I got hired, I got hired on our the the partnerships team within that organization. Um, kind of did a couple of years within that role. And then before I, I left that organization, I helped um, kind of co-create a operations, a customer success operations role, which is what it was called. And all that was really was figuring out ways to like scale and templatize and um, uh, use tools to help uh, the other account management and sales teams in, in their work. And that sort of supporting operations, project management type work really stuck with me. So I kind of was able to hone in on, okay, this is a role I like doing, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, but then after being there, I was there for about seven years and I, there is a piece of me that was always leaning towards doing sort of nonprofit work. Right. So, um, I've always been a volunteer. I've always been able to kind of lean into some organizations that I really enjoyed working with. Um, and I, I think as I kind of kept developing my career, that was something I wanted to do more frequently, more as a part of like my day to day and less as a after work opportunity or sort of, you know, peripherally or when I have the time. So knowing that it was an industry change, right? And so I, I really lent into um, networking and meeting new people and trying to learn more about the differences of what that industry was and how it was made up and met a lot of great people, um, learned about, you know, what motivated me like what industries what areas of work were motivating um and then yeah that led me to um the the school I ended up working for um I got hired at that school January of 2020 mm. <laughs> so right before the the great <laughs> shutdown of everything and working within a school during that time of COVID was really interesting there was sort of this um it, it helped that I had kind of that like technology operations background, because when you go from pretty much a full in-person model to a full remote model overnight, um, I was really able to kind of offer up, you know, great solutions, being able to figure out ways to digitize things that were once on paper, right? So right. it was a really kind of interesting transitional period, transitional time. Um, but that's really where I learned more about what it meant to be a professional within the nonprofit space. Um, what are the differences? What are the makeups? What, what, how do you, how do you think about what your community looks like? How do you integrate that into your day to day? But then also figuring out ways to like decompress afterwards. I think a lot of nonprofit uh, people do some pretty heavy work. And so figuring out ways to make sure I wasn't taking that home all the time, that was a lot of real learning and understanding of myself within the role, within the space, um, in a way that I didn't really have before when I was just volunteering or just fundraising for an organization. So um, after I was there for a couple of years, um, I, I kind of always knew I wanted to do something a bit bigger. And so that's what led me to apply to much larger organizations. Um, and then eventually landed at Feeding America. I've been here for just over a year. Sounds like you've gone from sort of as everybody does, like through that learning process of 
thinking you want to be doing something and then figuring out where your real motivations and passions and as is the case for myself and many others in the nonprofit sector, allowing that desire to be doing something beyond volunteering, desire to have your day job being really mm-hmm. making an impact through the mission you're working on, that having that lead you to the nonprofit sector. Yeah, Not absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And I know as you were mentioning there in regards to beyond your day job, the volunteering that you've done, and I know you've yeah, volunteered for places from American Cancer Society to mm-hmm. Crisis Text Line, along with others. So how has, yeah, what what led you to volunteer for these organizations and how has that impacted your early career beyond what you've already shared here? Yeah, sure. I, I think in general, it helped kind of paint um, a broad picture for me. So um, being able to kind of be on kind of one side of the table, so to speak, as a volunteer as a fundraiser, and then being able to kind of see the ins and outs on what's going on within the organization, just from a nonprofit lens, I think kind of seeing that whole picture really helped frame what the work is that we're doing and how volunteers and communities and and anyone that really has a hand and in, in a role, the people that are being served by, you know, any of these organizations how it all plays together. So I think that broader picture was really helpful for me to see. Just touching on the two that you mentioned, I fundraised for American Cancer Society through Relay for Life opportunities starting in high school. Um, And so that was just something that I I literally like made and sold cookies within my school to like raise some money for the American Cancer Society as a team captain, we built little teams. And then there was this whole event at the end of the school year. So I I think it was one, a way to kind of just do something with my friends that was meaningful. We all kind of recognized that the people that were on my teams, we either had like parents or or family members or someone that we knew that experienced cancer. And this was a great opportunity and something that was um, really easy to kind of get started with. Um, And, and not a ton. It was a very low risk, <laughs> low effort kind of way of engaging. But then that kind of led, you know, that that's always been a component. So I've also worked with organizations that do um, like career development with students. And I've worked with um, like art institutions, right? So I've kind of gone all over the place. And I think figuring out where that journey was kind of helpful and, and being able to kind of just poke around and see what areas are most meaningful to me. Um, what are the things that I'm, I, I end up not really recognizing or understanding that it was going to be so impactful or, or motivating to me to kind of keep supporting um, these different communities. And with right. Crisis Text Line, I started that after the pandemic. It was it, one, I was trying to look for something that was virtual or that I could do within my home which is really what kind of like led me there. And and mental health as an issue in general is also so valuable to me Um, to kind of have impact in that space was, was a great opportunity, but it was also a great learning because after I I did that for about six months during the pandemic and I realized I was too hard. (laughs) Mm. Um, There were some, the, the, last day I remember I was doing a shift for the crisis text line and we don't ask personal information when you're talking to these people that are reaching out to the hotline um but every the last day I was working there um 
I had three texters and all three of them were children. Mm -hmm. And I think just kind of getting that, it, it personalized it too much for me. And so that was something that um, I realized, okay, this is a little too hard <laughs> for me to digest. I'm taking this home. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, being on the front lines of that type of engagement, even though it was so meaningful to me and I was motivated and I enjoyed the work, I realized that was something I had to be careful about or figure out a way to navigate that in a different way. Um, and so all of those things, I think, I think I really, it's been more of like a journey of understanding what is, what matters to me, where I fit in, what's too much, what's okay. Right. <laughs> um, kind of like a very introspective understanding of where my motivations are um, it, through these channels, through, through these volunteer opportunities and um, within, within these spaces that are that can be challenging. That can be heavy. Um, right. And and really figuring out how to navigate all of that. Yeah, those kinds of opportunities certainly are places to really, as you said, both make an impact outside of your work as well as learn more about yourself through them and see what what works for you, where your passions lie, and what doesn't work uh, in terms of like you're saying, bringing bringing it home, having it bleed into your personal life bearing the burden of these kinds of crises or other uh, issues <laughs> personalizing it in that sense can can be a challenge um, and there's always that balance especially for those yeah doing volunteering or working in the nonprofit sector between getting involved and making a difference and not making it feel like you're the one that has to fix everything and you're the <laughs> yeah savior in a sense of these people and it's all up to you yeah, well, I know also um, from having as chatted about your background a bit that your faith is a part of your story as well. Can you share how that has played a role in leading to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So I think I lean into my faith in a couple of ways. Um, one, really with the intention of getting the encouragement and that support and kind of being able to lean into those communities when those things do get challenging, right? Mm -hmm. So having something, I think that's a big, a big piece to be able to lean into um, when things are overwhelming, when it is a little too much to manage on my own. I think that's a, a pretty key piece of all of that. But I also use my, so my, I grew up Christian. I grew up in the church. Um, but then really tried to, as I got older, again, figure out what, what about my faith in, in general, maybe, you know, taking a step back from religion mm -hmm. as a whole for, for right now, um, what are the different characteristics I really wanted to extrapolate and be proactive about through that spirituality component, right? Um, and I think those things for me is really about leaning into like kindness and understanding, grace, kind of those things that allow you to be accepting and um, inclusive of people, um, of communities, really leaning into that idea of we're kind of all in this together. <laughs> we're all here. We're all, this is a, a big collective of people um, with social media and technology, that community and the collective is so much bigger now. It's so much farther beyond 
our immediate space <laughs> or like our immediate town um, and having the ability to be able to reach people in these other areas um, and, and provide those safe spaces for them. I think that is a really key piece of that. And, and it's, um, it, it can be a little tricky at times because it's not lost on me that the Christian church or religion as a whole, you know, they, they're not always doing the best. <laughs> they're not always doing the best work. They're not always doing the best things. Um, for the very people for, for, I mean, I've, I've been hurt by, you know, religious institutions, um, the people we serve, you know, uh, they're, they're also experiencing, um, a certain level of whatever, whatever that relationship is. Um, it, I think it can be contributing factors to some, to some of the same problems we're trying to support in the work that we're doing. But I also think, every single one of us has a certain level of spirituality, whether you're religious or you're not religious or, or whatever that looks like. If you want to call it your consciousness or something, we have kind of this code of how we um, operate day to day. And I think it's in general, just really important to understand what that means for you. And um, if it's rooted in kindness and gentleness and not being harmful of others, that that that's a great way to kind of, figure out something that's personal to you, but that allows you to navigate your day to day, right? And and sort of is something that I try to lean back into, because obviously, there are days that I'm not those things. <laughs> I'm not going to be always perfect. Um, but then having something to kind of, you know, sit in when you approach those days, or when you have times when um, you're kind of not your best self, having something to fall back on, and remind yourself, like, this this is the kind of person that I want to be. Um, and whether that's through your faith or not, I, I think that's uh, something that everyone experiences at some point. Um, we all kind of have things that make us feel good and make us feel icky. And leaning into those things that make us feel good uh, is, is the most important. And that was something that um, when I was looking for new places to, to work and I landed on Feeding America, having your basic needs met man, that's a hard, <laughs> that's a hard thing to grapple with that there are people in this country that don't have their basic needs met. They they have to choose between, um, you know, paying for medical expenses or paying your bills and eating. And that to me was just so powerful to think about. Um, I've also experienced food insecurity in my lifetime and, and recognizing, yeah, this is something that like, I believe I'm supposed to be doing, right? Or something I'm supposed to have a hand in. And I, I think my faith kind of um, supports a lot of a lot of that ideology and that journey and, and is a key component of what that motivation is. Hmm. Yeah, it can certainly play a big role. I know it, it does for me as well in terms of my, as I've shared previously in the show, my Christian faith background, like, uh, yeah, that's a big guiding factor. And I work in the, environmental space kind of tackling climate change and for me it's driven by that and this kind of mm. desire to leave the make the world a better place leave the world a better place for the next generation and kind of in my view take care of creation um, rather than uh, destroying it what would you say is something that you feel listeners should know either 
about the cause that you're working for or you know, if they're interested in working for yeah the cause that you're working for in terms of tackling tackling hunger food insecurity all that what should they know yeah um it's really easy to get involved <laughs> so we um feeding america is the national organization uh, that supports 200 partner food banks. And so those food banks, whether they're within the network or, or not, there are some food banks that aren't under the Feeding America umbrella. If you can find where those are um, within your communities, whether that's a food bank or a pantry or a meal program or something that touches the issue of food insecurity, um, we need volunteers. <laughs> Reach out, volunteer. Um, we need people moving food out we need people packaging food we need people in the spaces um uh covid posed a really big challenge we lost all of the volunteers immediately once the shutdown went in place and we're still not really in, at the same number of volunteers as we were in the past and so um we need that manpower and it's a really great way to kind of you know see the communities that you're serving be a part of you know recognizing that your neighbor your colleague your coworker, your friends they might be facing this issue um it's something that is so prevalent and so common um i've experienced it a lot of my colleagues have experienced that a lot of people are one paycheck away from not being able to then afford groceries um so really just kind of recognizing this is something that is a community collective experience. And when any of us are experiencing it, it it's impacting the rest. It's impacting the rest of us too. And so, um, yeah, just getting involved, getting excited. You don't have to, you know, it, donating is hard. <laughs> if you can donate, that's obviously great, but that can be a lot to ask of people. Um, uh, and we have some opportunities to just, you know, we work with um, government, uh, both local and federal, to be able to advocate for some of the legislature around meal programs, right? So SNAP, BIC, all of those things that kind of help supplement people's food. We do a lot of work with that um, and, and try to move some of these programs forward, try to get some public programs off the ground. Uh, and again, after COVID, a lot of that stuff has been taken away. So um, we have an advocacy page as well um, where you can go, you can write letters to your Congress people um, that it takes, you know, five minutes to do <laughs> and you don't have to leave your house. Um, you can sometimes we have petitions. There's some um, great documentation on just getting educated, understanding what the landscape looks like. Um, the more people we have kind of pushing for these programs, pushing for uh, on our on our Congress people, on our legislation to be able to move some of these things forward in a meaningful way, incredibly impactful. And a lot of that stuff you don't you don't have to go somewhere for. You can do it all online. Um, so highly encourage, yeah, those those two primary things, right? Um, very low effort volunteering and learning more about how you can get involved on an advocacy level. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely useful for people to know all of that uh, as they. Yeah, consider this important cause. Yeah, like you were saying, addressing it now as so many causes have been addressing it and trying to rebuild, continue to get back to normal as we all get back to normal here <laughs> is the challenge. Absolutely. Well, if there are one thing about either 
life or work or any other area that you want to share with your fellow young adult audience, what would that one thing be? Find a hobby. <laughs> Find a way to decompress from all this work. I, I mentioned earlier, if you're in this space, you're probably doing some pretty heavy stuff or you're probably doing something that's um, personal or meaningful or impactful in some way. It is so incredibly important to be able to come home and not, not just, I mean, we all, obviously you want to sit down and watch TV or grab a drink or something like that with, with, with someone else, but um, really find something that is creative or, um, you know, it is a stress outlet for you, whether that's working out or that's painting or that's music or something, um, find what that thing is for you. Find something that is regenerative so that you can continue to do this incredible work um, and limit the burnout that can very easily creep up on you when kind of pushing to do something that is, is I think, important or impactful. Yeah, definitely key to find your outside of work activities as well. Have, have more to life than just work, even if it is the good work at the nonprofit sector. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Different, different for everybody. But within that, there's always others that I'm sure are interested in the same thing. So finding that community for your hobby as well as the, yeah, connecting with others, learning from that. Is, well, that's just about what I've got time for here and what we got for you today. But uh, how can people best connect with you if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or you're interested in getting involved in this work um, or in this space, I'd be happy to talk to you. Well, as always, I'll share the link to your LinkedIn profile. And for any of our listeners, if they're considering reaching out to our guest here, make sure, as always, to be including a note about what it is that you're looking to connect on and where you heard about them from so that they know, yeah, know how to make that connection. <laughs> yeah thanks again for taking the time to come on the show today and for sharing your story yeah thank you so much adam hey everyone thanks for tuning in to today's show hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from if you want to learn more about today's guest how you can contact them and explore the organization they work for check out the show notes That'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring elderly.